Thanks so much, Nathan. I'm Kendi Easley. I'm the executive pastor head of staff here at Bethany, and it is my great privilege to be speaking to you this morning and teaching out of both Luke and Romans. We're doing this amazing uh, piece of work of scholarship in combining throughout Advent the traditional Christmas and Advent stories with the depth of theology that we find just in Romans chapter 8. Our teaching team thought to ourselves, when would we ever get to teach like the depth of Romans 8? But at, at, this is a great opportunity. So we started with um, looking at Hope breaking through unbelief. And last week, Jeff Cuse talked about this unbelief as a type of weariness of the soul and how God wants to take our weariness and move it into wonder. So if you missed that sermon, I highly recommend. If you're tired at all, you will find great encouragement from that message. And then next week, Richard Dahlstrom will be back and we'll continue um, to work our way to the best part of Romans chapter eight, and so you don't wanna miss that. But this week, we're starting with the Virgin Mary and what happens with her and how this becomes good news uh, amazing news, not just for her, but for all time. And we're gonna have three sections to our sermon today. What news, what now, and what's next? So let's join our hearts in prayer. Mighty God, I thank you that you have spoken your word through so many people that is written in scripture and that you are still writing your word through our lives, that we who know you might live out a life of faith that would reflect who you are. And Lord God, today, I ask that you would open us up to this possibility that we, like Mary, are people whose weakness can become the very strength of God. So use this time that we might come to know you better and love you more in Jesus' name, amen. So it's been a, a new thing for me to try to get a little bit stronger physically. It's, I would say it's even kind of a spiritual discipline to take the time to develop my, not just my core strength, but like my whole body strength. And so I've started to go to a gym. It's uh, called Fulcrum Training Hall, highly recommend it. And that's actually a weightlifting gym, like with real weightlifting bars and real plates of weight. Actually, I use a lot of what I call the peewee weights, you know, like half a pound, a pound, and up to two and a half or five pounds before you get to the big plates that are 10. Oh, they're not pounds, they're kilos. Forgot to tell you that, it's all in kilos. So one of the exercises is called the press, and I find this very challenging. All you have to do is get up under the bar, and lift the bar up over your head. Easy enough? Not so much for me. I got up under the bar the first time and realized that just the bar itself without any weights on it was too much for me. So they gave me a different bar, a lighter bar, like just for candy. No, other people use it too. Got the lighter bar up there and, and got it up over my head and thought to myself like, whoo <laughs> done? No, you're not done, you're just starting. The point being that my very weakness is the place where the work begins. I can now lift the, the heavier bar and actually put some weights on the side, had a personal best last week, 
As I was working out, I was looking down the row. There's maybe 12 of us in the gym. Six are being coached by kind of the head coach, and six of us are being coached by like this assistant coach, and we all have our notebooks, and we keep a record of what lifts we've been doing and how much weight. Well, I'm looking down the row, and there's this, I thought, young man. And I thought, it's like 10 o'clock on a weekday, on Friday, this guy should be in school. He looks too young to be here at this time. And then I thought, maybe I'm just getting too old. And you know, younger people look, older people look younger all the time or whatever. So I started asking other people, is that guy like kind of young? Like, shouldn't he be in school? And they said, yeah, he's 14. Okay, so I'm not off on my assessment. This 14-year-old was so eager to learn. He was like, hop up to the platform and, and be like, okay, what's next? What do you want me to do next? And he would lift the bar, which we all do, to that point where he couldn't do it anymore. And one of the things they talk about in the gym is like staying in it. Like stay in it until you can get that bar up. And that's when the real work begins. So this young man, rather than looking at his weakness as a failure, was eager to get to that place where the real work begins. And I think that's our calling this morning is to look at this idea that the presence of God, the presence of hope, is more real in our weakness. But we spend a lot of time running from weakness, don't you think? A, a lot of times, as part of my role as executive pastor, I will uh, be called about a reference for someone, a staff person who's moving to a new position, and the person will ask me, you know, what are the, this individual's strengths and weaknesses? And perhaps you've had this experience. You, tr you wanna do well by the person who's got you on their reference list. So when that question is asked, a lot of times you try to make the weakness sound like a strength, right? Like the person who has no boundaries, they're working all the time, you're kind of concerned about their overall health. What that comes out as is this person is so dedicated to their work that you'll have to be work, working with them to make sure that they take time off, right? So the future employer, I want them to think, wow, that's a, that's a weakness I can live with, you know? When you're analyzing a business, sometimes you do something called a SWOT analysis, strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. And all those last three, weakness, opportunities, and threats, those are all growth opportunities. Like that's where the real work is. And yet often we sort of try to deny or, or suppress this idea that we are weak. We hide from our weakness and maybe we even hide in our weakness. We allow our weaknesses to become kind of excuses of why we can't do certain things that God would have in mind for us to do. Well, not so with Mary. When we look at Mary, and we're going to our first point now, we look at this news that Mary received. What is this news? It's, it's good news for all of us, but how did it sound to Mary? You, it started this way, you found favor with God. That, that sounds good, right? You're 14 years old, something like that, she's a young teenager, and I picture this like, young man who I lift weights with becoming the parent of the Son of God. What was that like for her? I'm, she, it's like she says, who, me? Like Moses saying, I'm not eloquent of speech. Why, why would you pick me? I'm weak, I'm humble. It, 
All of us have had this experience of not being picked, like maybe being picked for a team, maybe being picked to go to a, a dance, maybe running for office at your school. We don't get picked. What's it like to be the person who thinks, I'm not worthy, but I'm chosen? This is the news that Mary receives, that she has a new position with God. And that new position is gonna extend to us because the news for Mary is that she's gonna bear a son. And listen to these attributes right in that reading. He will be great, he'll be the son of the most high, not just the son of the carpenter she's gonna marry, but the son of the most high God. He will have the throne of David, called his father as well, on him. He will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom his kingdom, this is a humble teenage girl who's gonna give birth to a child whose kingdom will have no end. Wow, it sounds pretty incredible, doesn't it? It's, it's truly a miraculous event. This news that the angel brings Mary is life-changing news for all of us. We too have a new position with God. We have new adoption as the children of God. We have a new intimacy, a new inheritance, a new hope because of what happened that day. In chapter uh, one of, no, no, in verse one of chapter eight, that's our big chapter in Romans, it says this, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, God did by sending his own son. This is the amazing news of Christmas, that we have this new relationship with God. We are now members of God's family. And then in chapter eight, verse 15, it goes on to say, for you, we all, did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. It's, it's not a spirit of slavery but you received the spirit of sonship, the spirit of becoming children of God, sons and daughters of God. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We have an intimate relationship with God. We have an inheritance from the Father. So this new hope that is contained in this news that belongs to Mary is our new hope. It's what Israel's been waiting for. It's what we've been waiting for and it's coming to pass. Romans 8:22 says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until this time. The whole creation has been groaning. Are we too groaning? Are we waiting for something that's not yet? Are we wishing for something to be different in our own lives? How do we wait? How do we receive this new position, this adoption, this new intimacy, this new inheritance, this new hope, when our circumstances are sometimes so far from that? My husband and I were married 12 years, longing for children. He's a pastor, I'm a pastor. We never said we'd marry each other, but oh well, God does things. Don't say never to God. And one of the things I found myself saying to God was, what more could we do to show our devotion to you? What more could we offer? Kind of like 
don't you owe us a child? Kind of my bargaining with God. But all the king's horses and all the king's men and all of UW and all of Swedish couldn't get us a baby. So we ended up uh, letting go in a way, and can't say I did that easily, and imagining perhaps there'd be an adoption opportunity for us. So we submitted our paperwork for adoption and then went on a vacation. And uh, in that process, we'd sort of started to talk to this birth mother about the possibility of adopting her baby. And, and I was letting go of this, the dream of like, delivering a baby myself. It's what I had planned on, you know, genetically, those long legs of my husband, but maybe not so. So we're on vacation and I'm trying to let go. We're there by the ocean side in Hawaii and I'm trying to imagine that God still loved me in spite of how I felt. And along comes my husband down the beach with kind of a tray and these two big pineapple drinks. And I sort of thought to myself, hey, a pineapple drink is not gonna fill up the gap that I feel in my heart. But he comes up and he's got this like ear to ear Cheshire cat grin. And I'm like, what? He said, we're gonna be parents. Okay, this is the opposite of how I pictured this going. Like usually the wife comes home from the doctor, like, hey sweetie, I have some news. Okay, this is my husband telling me, we're, we're gonna have a baby. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, when I went back to the hotel room to get some things, we'd gotten a call about this adoption. And she picked us. Like, wow. Now, of course, I was thankful. I mean, on my knees, praising God, dancing on the beach, drink or no drink, whatever. It was so exciting. And yet, isn't it true that just the five minutes before that, God loved me just as much, that God was just as real in the midst of my longing as in the midst of my joy. That's the truth of the gospel. It's not when the circumstances come to pass, it's really in the midst of it, whatever it is that God wants to meet us. So this news is for all time and it's for right now as well. So we live in this stage all the time of incompleteness. There's always something that we long to be different or weakness. We live along with creation in all the limitations and imperfections and pain and suffering and if you're getting discouraged, there's a special worship service on December 21st about this kind of longing. There is going to be hope here in this sermon but always. There's pain, there's suffering, and yet there's a full and final redemption of all things that's both already, like it's proclaimed to Mary. You're gonna bear this son and here's who he's gonna be. It's proclaimed to us, you're adopted as sons and daughters of the most high God. It's already here and yet it's not yet. It's, it's sort of out there, we can't quite get a hold of it. We can't quite accept this reality that we live in both places. We live in the midst of a world that's incomplete, that's still groaning, and, and we live with, with a reality that we're part of this huge plan of redemption that God's already enacted. Like the, the starting gun has already gone off and, and the race of the kingdom has begun on earth. So this is this mysterious intersection of the now. What now? Do you ever wake up in the morning and think like, what now? Like, what's this day gonna hold? Look at my calendar, oh gall. 
there's some challenging things in there. Or you have a conversation with someone and, and they're talking and you're thinking, oh dear, not good. I wonder how this was with Mary. She's promised that the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon her, she's gonna conceive a child even though she's a virgin, which many wonder about this virgin birth. Makes sense to me, the God who created the universe could cause a woman to become pregnant with the Son of God, why not? Mary's life situation completely changes. And there's this reminder that it's not only her, her cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, now carries a child. And in Luke it says, for nothing is impossible with God. It's like it wasn't impossible enough that Mary's gonna bear the son of God. It's also reminding us that Elizabeth, who was barren, is gonna have a baby for nothing is impossible. Like, that was even more impossible. And then Romans says, when we are weak, the spirit of God intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. Groans too deep for words. That's what the Spirit can provide. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit is, makes itself known in our weakness. There's an Advent book that I really enjoy by Brendan Manning, um, this one article. It's articles from many really great Christians. But um, Manning makes this analogy that instead of coming to the statue of Jesus in the manger, he comes alive and he delivers us over to the light that brought him. He describes us as being shipwrecked if we can accept this neediness that we have. The shipwrecked at the stable are the poor in spirit who feel lost in the cosmos, adrift on an open sea, clinging with a life and death desperation to the one solitary plank. Finally, they are washed ashore and make their way to the stable, stripped of the old spirit of possessiveness in regard to anything. Some say, doesn't going to church on Christmas make you feel good? The shipwrecked are not concerned with their own emotional security or any of the trinkets of creation. They have been saved, rescued, delivered from the waters of death, set free for a new shot at life. The shipwrecked come to the stable seeking not to possess, but to be possessed, wanting not peace or a religious high, but Jesus Christ. In Christ equals in peace. We are both shipwrecked and saved. Can we hold those two things together? Or do we deny the one and try to claim the other? We do not know what we ought to pray for, We don't know what this salvation really looks like, but the Spirit himself is kind of the star of the show. Did any of you make it either to the choir concert here last night or over to Walk the Lights at Green Lake? Yes, some, a few. Okay, Uh, we did both, my husband and I, and this year over at Green Lake, they were advertising that there were gonna be hot air balloons, and you might have heard about that. I couldn't picture it. I thought they meant like little hot air balloons that might go out over the lake, or maybe there'd be one big hot air balloon. Well, they had a display, essentially, of I think it was five hot air balloons, and they were there by the basketball courts, and as we approached, we couldn't see them at all. Like, where are these hot air balloons? And then all of a sudden, actually heard this whoosh. You know what it was? The fire. You heard the sound of the fire that lights up the balloon and lifts it up. 
And, and one of the balloons would like light up and it was a glorious rainbow of kind of feather-like qualities. And then th that one would get dark and the next one would light up and it was these beautiful diagonal diamond shapes of color. And then the next one was striped and they kind of would take turns at, with this flame that had to be, I don't know, seven feet tall and loud. And when the flame came up, the balloon would just light up. I thought it was sort of spectacular. There was a sense of wonder, like, that's, it's a moment. So we, we watched this for a while, and then thought, well, we should walk the lakes. We start walking. And as we walked away from the balloons, I thought, wait, they're only going to be doing this for a little while. If we go this way, we'll, we won't get to see them anymore. So we turned around, and we couldn't see them at all. They were, we just couldn't see them at all. They were completely dark. And it got me thinking about how we might be like that. Like there are moments, aren't they? Glittering moments of light where it all makes sense. And we even have a sense that that intersection of eternity and the present moment is happening in our life, that God has us right in the right place, that the Spirit is giving us the right words, that we're listening to that nudge and we're doing what we're asked. And yet there's so many other times, at least for me, where I don't have a sense of that flame of the Spirit lighting me up. And so it was with these balloons. We're walking toward them, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we missed them. And then, boom, one would light up again, and boom, another one would light up. Eventually, we got back to the balloons, and there was kind of a grand finale where they all tried to go at one time, and just, they never went in the air. They're just sitting there looking glorious. And then it was time for the balloons to be put away. Well, this was a sad moment. They had to let the no hot air, and the balloon just kind of eases to the ground. And then they have to kind of roll it up, and all it is now is sort of a flat canvas with the potential to be a beautiful hot air balloon. Are we like that? Like we're sort of a flat canvas that God longs to fill with the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes like a fire in Acts, it talks about tongues of fire. There is a light that comes from this power of belonging to God. And that glittery moment is this moment where the glory of heaven is on earth in us. So God has designed that even now, even in the not yet, we can demonstrate by the way that we live, by the way that we love, that we belong to God. What circumstances are you or your loved ones in right now? What circumstances do you notice in our community, our state, our nation, our world, where there are groans too deep for words? There are problems we can't imagine solving. There are problems we don't even want to hear about. There are things, there's news we don't even want to let into our awareness. Friends, it's not our responsibility to fix it but it is our responsibility to be the people of God in the midst of it. Not run away, not hide, not deny, but let God in. Christmas is full of wonder, but somehow we make that wonder like it's our responsibility, like we have to make it happen. 
We have to get the right tickets to the right things. We gotta get the right picture cutting down the Christmas tree. We gotta buy all the right presents for all the right people. We've gotta do something social, go to a party, have a party, something or other. It's as if the more we do, the more we try to make Christmas happen, when in fact, it's already happened. How many of you have put out a little manger scene somewhere in your house? Yes, you know, if you have in mine, I've got a lot of characters. I mean, I got the shepherds, the kings, all kinds of an extra angel, a drummer boy. If you have just Mary and Jesus, you've got the whole manger scene. Because God shows up in the person of Jesus to change our world right now forevermore. So whatever the reality of your present circumstances is, whatever Christmas evokes, whatever kind of expectations around relationships. If you don't have kids, you wish you did. If you do have kids, you wish they were different. If you don't have great family relationships, maybe you long for a time that was or a time that never was in your family. Maybe you're sitting home wishing there was a party to go to. Maybe you've got a party to go to and wish you were sitting home. How's God showing up for you right now this Christmas? And then what comes next? What's next for you and me? We can have a new confidence in this promise of good news. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might have life and have it in abundance. What does it look like to live into this hope? It looks like letting yourself be really you. Not the social media, best year yet, Christmas letter kind of you, but the you that sometimes wakes in the night or avoids a difficult conversation or majors in the minors, whether it's fashion or the perfect Christmas decor or accomplishing something at work. When all is stripped away, and you are at a place where there are groans too deep for words, the Spirit of God is there. That baby that my husband uh, announced to me we were going to have, when she was about three, we had the opportunity to adopt her little brother. Um, they're not biologically related, but in our family, they're the brother and the sister. And then at, medical science kept developing, and I got this hope that, hey, maybe there'd be a third baby that would be like the Tyler Kendi combo baby, and then that was not to come to pass. In fact, about Christmas time, when our son was about oh, a year and a half, I got this news that I needed to have an emergency hysterectomy right at Christmas, like not okay. I was like the mom Christmas machine, right? If I didn't do the stuff that I do as a mom, there really wouldn't be Christmas cookies or decor or Christmas cards or, you know, how am I gonna cope? So I found myself feeling honestly weak. I was married to a pastor, he was gonna speak at least five times on Christmas Eve, and here I am gonna be probably recovering from surgery with like a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. I found myself thinking, why me? Why now? Why this? Maybe you have circumstances in your life that present those kind of questions to you. How do we respond? Do we kind of wallow in it? Or do we somehow find God in the midst of that? 
Well, I found myself calling my friends and saying, I'm too weak to do anything. Do you guys want to come over? <laughs> and they not only came over, but we, we sat around in a circle and talked about how we longed for something more than what we had. And they all came to my door with eager, either an eager spirit or some sort of Christmas cheer. They ended up getting out all my Christmas stuff and decorating a tree for me and giving me a kind of comfort that I was not alone in these longings, that even what I was going through was more important than their perfect house or their moments. They sacrificed for me. And years later, we were called upon, kind of this same group of church ladies, if you will, by a friend whose son had died suddenly at age 18 in, in their own house. We went over there and really tried to surround her with the same kind of love that I had felt when I was going through that surgery. And I just saw her the other night, this is several years ago that her son passed away, and she said, Kendi, I remember you all coming into my house and carrying me through that time. She said that whole year is a complete blur, let alone that Christmas. But you guys carried me. You gave me and my husband a hope that we were gonna get through this. You bore the pain with me. And I believe that's what Christmas really is about. God with us. God in us, causing us to be in the world in a different way. As if God himself had intervened. As, as if God himself was the fuel lighting up this world to his glory. So what is it for you? What's next for you as you leave today? What's on your calendar? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? What choices do you have? For nothing is impossible with God. The Spirit of God has come upon us. The Spirit of God intercedes for us. The very nature of the Spirit is called helper. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So what's our job? To be open-handed, to admit we're, we're a people who need a savior. We're a people who can't do it all or get it right. We're a people for whom God came, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Mighty God, I ask that you would cause us to respond to your good word in the way that Mary did. Uh, may it be to us, as you have said. Lord, may we know uh, when we're groaning too deep for words that your spirit is there. May we know when we catch glimpses of glory that your spirit is there. And our God, may we know that your promise is true, that there is good news for all people, that we have been adopted as your sons and daughters because of Jesus. So come, Lord Jesus, make yourself known to us and through us, we ask. Amen.